0: Welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Hi, and welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, Episode 5. We are going to be starting the section on scriptures. Uh, This first section that we've got here is actually um, very introductory to the whole scripture section. Um, So I'm just going to let you know that the next three episodes will be On are the scriptures essential to salvation ways of exploring the bible and the psalms and other scripture passages and i just want to warn our listeners right now that a few minutes in micah's microphone is going to start acting up and i'm very sorry i have done my best to remove as much of the static as i can but we do need to figure out what's going on
1: there i was telling Mackenzie i'm uh sort of surprised we're doing the scriptures at this point because i feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about the scriptures in our last several episodes so hopefully um mackenzie pointed out to me there there's some good questions in here that we haven't covered before so hopefully we'll stick to those and, and not sort of run over a lot of stuff we've already covered
0: yeah and i think a lot of the stuff that we've covered about scripture before was just because we were doing that um jesus christ is the word of god section um whereas hard
1: hard not to talk about scripture in that case. yeah.
0: Whereas, I think the more recent episodes, we just happened to make use of a few Bible stories. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, anyway, um, in this chapter, it's, like I said, very introductory overview. um, And it talks a bit about the progression that, well, I mean, obviously it asserts that Quakers use the Bible, which we call scriptures. um, And points out that the word Bible isn't in the Bible go figure um (laughs) but um it goes over a little how the bible general theme starts with um the law with moses and all that then goes into the prophets and into jesus and makes the case that this is a progression which micah can probably explain better than i can
1: um yeah the uh I I actually again I feel like we I feel like we have covered this in other episodes uh as as you as you look at scripture there is definitely a sense um that there's a uh there's movement in it and it's it's not simply God um it's not simply God doing the same thing with the same folks over and over again but actually God moving different folks and different generations of folks through different situations and providing them w- with what they need at that point uh which sometimes is different so um, there 's sort of two there 's sort of two uh, two pieces to how the biblical narrative works, and one is um, as the prophets remind us, uh, God is saying uh, the same thing to us over and over and over again, and we just are pretty slow and and, and not good at learning or not good at listening um, but in another sense, uh, there is a, an ongoing uh, revelation that is progressive in that um, there, there seemed to have been different rules uh, in, different, in different points or different different rules, the wrong way to put it, um, but different, different modes that we were asked to relate to God in. So, um, you know, if, if you read the Old Testament, the people of Israel were asked to relate to God in a certain way. They were asked uh, to relate to God uh, through um, a certain type of worship, um, a certain type of peoplehood as, as a nation state. Um, and, uh, in the new covenant, which we talked about, uh, in an earlier episode in the new covenant, uh, the mode of relating to God is different. And it's, 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 it's transnational. It's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's super tribal. It gets beyond, uh, the divisions, uh, that, that God actually used in earlier, in earlier, uh, modes of revelation, uh, to, to, to bring, to bring us along. So, um... I think sort of a key a key idea in in the Quaker movement um is something that's often referred to especially especially in the 20th century it's been referred to as continuing revelation. That that term is often misunderstood as meaning um the previous revelation is now is now no longer useful and the new revelation s- supersedes it. Um but but I think uh despite that misunderstanding uh the idea of continuing revelation is still a central idea in that god is continuing to reveal himself uh, in our lives and god speaks to our particular situation it's not enough to just to sort of read the old stories um, and try to try to squeeze squeeze our lives into them but that actually god is god's even speaking to us in new ways um, in ways that are relevant to right now
0: which actually um, reminds me of something that i read in a book that i picked up last summer um, it's called Print Culture in the Early Quakers, and it's talking about, it's talking about, um, all the tracts and things that Quakers published in the 1650s, because they published a lot of stuff back then. Um, and it, it's talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit, says, the Quakers argued that the Holy Spirit, which had moved men to write the scriptures, was also present in them, and that consequently their utterances, spoken or written, were as valid as those of the Apostles.
1: Which I think it's fair to say that, um, not everything the apostles said or wrote was necessarily gospel truth. I mean, look at how dumb the disciples appear in the gospels. they 're constantly saying and doing really dumb things. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, I think if you if you remember that, then, then this doesn 't sound quite as crazy. George Fox, who was one of the main leaders of the early Quaker movement actually seemed to think at certain points that he was basically infallible and that anything he said or did was um, was obviously correct and true and from God simply because he had that kind of relationship with God um, I personally tend to think that that was a little bit too far especially looking at some of the stuff that George Fox said and did that didn't seem so godly to me um, that being said if, 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 you, if you bear in mind that the the apostles and and you know the early Christians who are recorded in the Bible Said and did some really some really not so smart and not so wise things, um, and yet were able to be used by the Holy Spirit and inspired by the Holy Spirit to say and do amazing, God God given things. Um, it makes a lot more sense to think about how the early Quakers felt that they too could be uh, directed in that way, and that and that it's not so much who you are, as whose you are. It's not so much what you're saying as who is speaking through you, and so. Uh, if the Holy Spirit inspires a person today to speak the words of God, then it is just as valid as those as, as, as those inspired words that we've received through the apostles in the early church. So in, the, in that sense, I think that's a little bit more approachable. It's not, it's not something like everything we say is just as good as what the apostles said at their best. It's, it's we have the same potential to be spoken through and used by the Holy Spirit just like the apostles did.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. In the in the chapter when it so I just want to point something out that in the chapter when it's talking about the like progression from the law and and then through the prophets to Jesus, uh it points out that Jesus uh takes the law a step further because he because the you know, under the law it says do not kill um whereas Jesus says don't even get angry. You know, do not it says do not the law says do not commit adultery, Jesus says um, when you look at a woman with lust, you have already um, sinned, which is definitely a different way of uh, thinking about it than, than you know, under the law or, you know, the, the Jewish way of thinking about it. And I actually chatted with a Jewish, Orthodox Jewish friend of mine several weeks ago about, you know, um, thought crime, basically, because um, certainly growing up Catholic, thought crimes... Um, <laughs> What did what did they have to say but, about that? It, uh, he said that it that you know in their understanding that when when you actually do something, that's when you have transgressed the law. But um, it's good to recognize um, you know thoughts that are coming from your sinful nature, so that you can work against them. But that it is not itself sin to it, it. You have not transgressed the law at the point of. Right. having that situation. And I think
1: my, my, read on, my read on this is that, uh, you know, what Jesus was, calls us to is something beyond the law in the sense that, just, just like you said, it's something more than the law, where the law is sort of, you know, in one way you could look at it as like the law is, is, is sort of like, you know, if you've ever been bowling when you were younger and you were really terrible at bowling because you were a little kid, they put in bumper bumpers in the gutters. Um, and it just, you know, it makes it so you can't, you know, get a gutter ball, which is really great if you're like five years old. Um, and so I think, I think the law is kind of like that, or it can be like that at its best. It can sort of provide bumpers to keep us out of the gutters and keep us out of like really bad situations. Um, but it can't, it doesn't really have the power to make us true. It doesn't have the power to like, you know, uh, to, to keep with the bowling metaphor. It doesn't have the power to help us get a strike every time we throw the ball. And um, I think where, where Jesus invites us beyond the law is to say, well, it's not enough just to not go into the gutter. Um, it's not enough to just not violate the tenets of the law, but to truly be transformed. Our whole life has to be transformed as body, mind, and spirit, not merely our actions, but our thoughts and our, our feelings too. So a complete transformation of the person.
0: Yeah, and in that conversation with that friend of mine about um you know about uh the thoughts and actions thing, you know, he said that um successfully eliminating the uh evil inclination, as he put it, that causes um those thoughts, it would be a meritorious deed, you know, that, that would count in your favor at judgment, but um simply resisting The actions that follow from those thoughts lets you avoid the sin
1: yeah i think i think to properly to properly grasp uh jesus's teaching we have we have to let go i mean even even this idea i I think jesus i think jesus is trying to shock us out of thinking of things in terms of rules in terms of points in terms of like a a a brownie point system where we where we earn our earn Mm -hmm. our badges and then get something at the end um jesus makes a lot of really extreme statements like about cutting off our hands about abandoning our families about forsaking everything and i think some of that's to be taken literally but i think a lot of it um is uh is a way of sort of helping snap us out of it snap us out of our our desire to be right with god in a sort of legalistic sense and be able to follow the rules and instead realize it was never about following the rules at all. It was about being transformed and coming truly alive and loving other people.
0: I kind of feel like we don't talk a lot about transformation nowadays in Quakerism. Um, I mean we we talk we'll say, you know, a convinced friend. We'll say convincement to refer to somebody having become a Quaker, but I I don't know, I kinda of feel like it got a lot more talk with early friends and certainly gets a lot of talk among well, uh, evangelicals um, now and probably among evangelicals. It's true friends. that
1: for the early friends and even for later friends, for friends for hundreds of years, the central experience of being a friend was to have uh, a person's sin revealed to themselves, for them to be able to see themselves as they truly are and realize what a bad condition they're in. And then through through the power of Christ's light, to have all Mm -hmm. that exposed over time and to be transformed and and, and made into a new person. So it's it's this experience of, you know, some people would call it sanctification. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, um, I'm actually going to, in the blog post that accompanies this episode, link over to, uh, there's a thing with John Watts and Maggie, I don't remember Maggie's last name, um, where they were talking about how we have a tendency to talk about the light as, like, this warm fuzzy thing, but actually for, for you know, friends prior to right now, it was this um, harsh spotlight shining on, you know, shining on your soul and showing you your sin, which is a pretty different way to look at it.
1: I think that's a good reminder. I think, to be fair, uh it's both. Uh, we're, uh... We we get both from God. We get uh, right because
0: because you have like the Holy Spirit as comforter.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think I think I think many of us, I, I certainly have had the experience of uh, God as incredible comforter and and joy uh, and peace. But I've also experienced God as as you say a spotlight or a revelation or you know uh, when you. <laughs> When, when you turn on the light, when you turn on the light in the in the bathroom uh, in the morning, and you see yourself in the mirror, and you don't like what you see, and you realize you probably need to comb your hair and brush your teeth, um, it's that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm.
0: So, backing up some tangents a mm-hmm. little bit, you know, rewind. Um, <laughs> so, uh, some of the questions in here.
1: Um, so, what's the Bible good for, if? we have access to the Holy Spirit directly and we can be taught by Jesus right now. Why do we even need the Bible?
0: Well, you know, there's, um, there is a part in the Bible, funny enough, um, where it talks about distinguishing between spirits. And so we have a tendency to talk about the spirit and messages from the spirit. But, um, even if you don't want to think in terms of supernatural spirits of demons and things like that, you can still think of the spirit of greed or, or the spirit of envy um, as being things that can overtake us and so um you know the bible does talk about distinguishing between those and so the bible can assist with distinguishing between what is coming from the spirit from god the light etc versus what is coming from um you know your own you, you know the like i was saying like the 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 spirit of envy for mm-hmm. instance um and when you look at george fox there's there's, you know, somewhere in his journal, he says that, um, you know, he had these revelations from God, and, and then when he looked in the Bible later, he found that, hey, they were confirmed in there, and it's not that he went searching, trying to see, let's see, you know, is there that specific line that, aha, there we go, or, or, hey, if I, if I look, can I find something to twist to match, it's that, you know, he had this revelation, and then he was reading the Bible, and realized, oh, hey, that, that meshes perfectly with that thing, oh,
1: he found a resonance. hmm Yeah.
0: And, and so that's where, you know, we talk about confirming revelation that way or testing leadings. Yeah.
1: And I mean, at least in my experience, I feel like, I you know, George Fox, George Fox was a very special man. And in some ways, I think he was really, really arrogant, to be quite frank. Um, and I think, I think, was, yes. I, I,
0: I think we've covered yeah, that several times. I mean, I, mean I,
1: I do, I do think he was. Um, and so I don't think he, I don't, I certainly don't think uh, uh, George Fox was right about everything. And, um, I think for George Fox, uh, I, I could be getting them wrong, but I, I think, I think George Fox would say that, you know, I got all this stuff from just pure divine revelation. I never, I never read about it or thought about it before. And then when I went and read the Bible, I said, I thought, oh, it's confirmed. This thing I got from the Holy Spirit, is confirmed.
0: Which of course, you know, Fox knew the Bible back before, and b- front. Before, you know, yeah, I before don't those
1: experiences. Re- yeah, before any right. of this
0: happened, yeah, because he he had been the seeker for a yeah. long time before, and I can't remember who it was, but some some biographer said that if every English language Bible in the world disappeared in one moment, then George Fox could write it back no down doubt. by memory.
1: And and uh, give and, and, and in that time period, I suspect a, a few people could have done that, because um, people took scripture very seriously. Well, yeah, it was the, the only the book only, they
0: read. Right. It was, the, it was that that and uh, Pilgrim's Progress was the only other mm-hmm. acceptable book for the pious you know pious Christian so uh,
1: but I would say in terms of inter- there is that experience of um, and I, I've had the experience of ha- having something feeling like something's revealed to me by God and then later reading something in the Bible that confirmed it for me, but I've definitely also had it the other way too of, of reading something in the scriptures and in that moment sort of having that sense of openness or 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 a ping or 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 god showing me something and through the scriptures god has taught me something that i didn't know before i read it and and may
0: do you have an example i'll
1: i'll, 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 I'll think about that i don't immediately but um but but I, but I would say these are often passages that i've read a dozen times before and i didn't have that you know mm-hmm. opening or you know ping or or sense of revelation, so it 's not merely the text but it 's the Holy Spirit using the text um, and I think it's, it''s something that's pretty incredible about the Bible. I mean uh, the Bible is the kind of the kind of text that you can read through again and again and again and again and again and get something new every time
0: right, yeah, which I, not that I have a whole lot of experience with that on account of I just finally read well, okay, I read the New Testament last year. Um, but I did grow up hearing, I, I mean, I was Catholic, I went to Mass, I grew up hearing a bunch of the stories, um.
1: Well, the second, the second reading will be easier than the first, so. New Testament's pretty short, you can get through it in, you know, not too long.
0: Yeah, I did the one month, uh, New Testament, no, I did, sorry, I did the one month Gospel, and then I did one month, um, Acts and Epistles. It's the Old, it's the
1: old Testament it takes forever.
0: Well, yeah, it's like six times as long. you know,
1: history and genealogies and all that sort of stuff, so
0: it 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 is interesting how you know when you do do the rereads though you start spotting the mm-hmm. uh references it's it's like that that earlier episode why where, where i dubbed in uh captain america saying i understood that reference um so you'll
1: have to dub him um, in again
0: you know yeah <laughs> um you know I'm trying to think like uh there's um in I think Luke, maybe I think this is one that that I first encountered this passage while I was at a Friends of Jesus gathering. Thanks, Micah, um, where uh, Jesus is saying going two by setting people go two by two to different towns, and uh, if they don't welcome you, then shake the dust off your sandals as testament against them, and all that. And he says it would be uh, it'll be worse. Okay, I don't remember exactly, but he compares them to Nineveh. And it actually just so happened that I had, um, visited for a school assignment, um, a church the, you know, a couple weeks before that, um, where they were doing, um, Jonah and the whale. And so then I knew what Nineveh was, that it's the town that Jonah went to and told them hey, look, you're in deep doo-doo. And they responded by, you know, sackcloth and ashes and repent, repent. And then they were spared. And so then, you know, when Jesus says about, you know, these towns that, uh, you know, if they don't welcome them, then, you know, Nineveh's better than them. I'm
1: like, ah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, for me, of, of course, as a Christian, the, the, the New Testament and the Gospels are, are really where it's at. And the rest of the Bible, there's really cool stuff in the Old Testament. But, but, uh, not all of it speaks to me in the same way that much of the New Testament does. But it's so valuable for me to keep rereading the Old Testament, too, because in addition to all the really cool stuff that's in the Old Testament, I also find out so much about the New Testament that is being referenced. Because, of course, for the, for the early church, the Old Testament was the Bible.
0: Right. Yeah. When 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 it refers in the Bible to the scriptures, yeah. they're talking about that's, the Old that, Testament. That's something that's always funny
1: for me. Is, is,
0: the, it kind of, yeah, it, there's it's, a chicken it's and egg problem. people...
1: Take, take scriptural references to scripture to try to prove something. I'm like, you realize they're not talking about the New Testament, right?
0: <laughs> right, yeah, don't add or remove anything from this. Well, about that, because, of course, the New well, Testament was Well, to be fair, that, to that,
1: that line is from Revelation, which is a part of the New Testament.
0: Right, but it's, it says you can't add or remove from scripture. Well, it says you can't scripture. add or remove doesn't from doesn't that you letter. you can't add or remove from Revelation, right?
1: Yeah, but, of course, oh, people it apply it and okay. say, like, oh, it's from the whole Bible. Because, you know, Revelation's at the end, so it must be the end of the book. Uh, so what's our next question?
0: Um, well, we're kind of out of order. We already talked about the uh, the continuing Revelation stuff. Um, and it actually... It asked about... Um, well, basically... Hey, Mike, did you come up with an example yet?
1: <laughs> you know, I actually... I'd like to talk a little bit more about continuing Revelation, because okay. for those... I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with Quakerism to at least some degree, right. um, and so at least for so those far. of us who are familiar, for, for those of us who are familiar with Quakerism, um, you know, we know that uh, for a lot of Quakers, the term continuing revelation is an incredibly central part of their faith. Um, and I would just like to hear, uh, you know, Mackenzie and I run slightly different Quaker circles um, because she's a part of a, uh, a liberal Quaker meeting here in the D.C. area. And I mostly stick uh, with Christ-centered Quakers, and I also hang out in Church of the Brethren. Um, and so, but I'm I'm curious to hear from Mackenzie, like tr- continuing revelation. How is that term used, um, like in the Delphi meeting? And you know, how what do you what do you think what do you think people think that means?
0: I don't really hear people say the phrase "continuing revelation" at meeting. I mean, certainly not during meeting for worship and. Um, you know, it doesn't tend to actually come up in conversation a lot there. Um, I would say that, okay, so I used to go to uh, a different meeting, um, downtown, which is, um, even more liberal. And, um, and, and just also from like reading online, I would say that sometimes it's used to mean, well, don't worry about that thing that's in the Bible. Um, and that, that a, that a new revelation could contradict, um, the Bible, and then that would prove that whatever is in the Bible is wrong, which, um, certainly we know that there are errors in the Bible. We discussed, um, you know, in a previous episode about Junius versus Junia. We know that there have been things that were intentionally edited or you know additions um occasionally made there's um you know there are some lines in a few chapters where it's like well actually uh, if we get an old enough document that line's not there huh
1: yeah um, to, be, to be honest though those kind of those kind of either errors or intentional insertions are pretty rare and if you look at the whole document it's an incredibly small portion that oh yeah i mean like it's something that. like
0: six pages in the whole new you know six pages in the whole gospels um have have some extra line in them Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's often used, um, as a way to erase an inconvenient passage, and I don't think that's how it's supposed to be used. Um, I also came across some months back, someone asked me whether I had encountered the phrase continuing revelation in any writings By friends um, from the 19th century or earlier because I was reading um, I was reading a biography of Elias Hicks um, and the phrase was used by the biographer who was Mm -hmm. writing in the 1950s but it was not used by Hicks himself in there in any of the quotes in there and so we were um, this person was trying to track down when did friends start using the term continuing revelation
1: if I had to guess, and I could very easily be wrong on this, but my my guess uh, would be, I bet you Howard Brenton coined it. Howard Brenton was sort of you know he Howard Brenton is the, the he coined
0: the, spices too, right?
1: Yeah, Howard Brenton, um If you read Howard Brinton stuff, you find out that most of what is liberal Quakerism today, he kind of made up. Um, so he's sort of the the, un, the unknown father of liberal Quakerism. He saw saw Quakerism as sort of being a a spiritual scientific method where we could could learn things about God through experimentation.
0: All right. We've just started the uh, the next Quaker schism. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, we shouldn't joke about that since there actually are Quaker schisms going on right now,
1: right? It's true. It's like Jesus said, you know, Quaker schisms you'll always have with you. (laughs) So have we got any uh, any more questions related to the Bible...
0: Uh, well, it asks whether we have uh, experienced Scripture as a check on Revelation. Um,
1: That's a really good question, because I feel like it's very hard to use Scripture well, as a check on Revelation.
0: Although I think you did kind of... Well, okay, so so the question also continues with asking whether um, you have ever realized that you had been in error um, while reading the Bible. And you said that you have... You know, read the Bible and had that experience of, oh, oh, it's some, some new light showing up. Um, but that you can't exactly recall. Well, I mean, like, exactly like I mean, an, an, exam- an example
1: I can give you is, um, you know, reading, uh, reading the New Testament. Uh, I think it was for the second time. Uh, I read, I read through the passage where it says, um, uh, you know, no one can, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And... I really didn't understand what the word Lord meant and what he really what Paul really meant there. Um and as I sort of sat with it and meditated with it and thought about what Lord meant in terms of it being, you know, a title, a title of authority, um even imperial authority, um I realized that what what I what Paul was saying was that um to to be inspired by the Holy Spirit is to confess Jesus as as uh you know the the you could say the commander in chief uh the master the the leader uh you know the big brother, whatever term of authority you want, but the person who is sort of your guide and your example and uh, your leader um, and i realized I realized in that moment that, that was true for me that or, or if it wasn 't true for me, I wanted it to be true for me that I really wanted to follow jesus and i I wanted to um, to be, to be his friend and disciple. So that was an opening moment for me where I finally decided I could call myself a Christian because, um, I had a lot of, you know, theological questions at that point. I wasn't sure what I believed about a d- bunch of different things, but I figured, you know, if I can call Jesus my Lord, um, then I guess that qualifies me as a Christian. I guess I can call myself a Christian.
0: And actually that leads really, and I'm with you on that, on that whole whole bunch of theological questions and going, I don't know. But that leads really well into, in um, the second question, part of what it asks, or part of what it says is that, um, you know, since we believe that the spirit can open the true meaning of a passage, then that similarly means that if there's a part of scripture that you just, it's not clicking, you don't really get it, um, that that's okay. And um, you know that that Christ has not deemed it necessary for you to understand that part right now. Or maybe now. for any, maybe and, for anybody. To and understand it asks, it. <laughs> <laughs> it asks. You know, do you chafe at that, or is that a relief? And I would say it's a relief. You know, I I certainly don't think that I could answer you know questions about every single part of Scripture, and I think that that's okay. Um, it's certainly interesting when you encounter people who have an answer for everything. Um and can feel a little bit weird when you're like, I, I I I don't know. I it just didn't hasn't really been all that important to try to figure out right now. It's like at some point in here we're gonna get to the Trinity and you know, me and the Trinity is kind of I don't know. It doesn't really make much difference.
1: Yeah, I I think I think the it goes back. It goes back to, again to, to, to the proper use of scripture, and is, is are, are the scriptures um, sort of a, a a constitution and a rule book that, can, that should be legally parsed, um, and and that we should make you know sort of legal judgments about, or is it uh, a story that helps us to understand God and understand you know how God works in the world and understand Jesus better, um, and I think that I think a, I think I think a true story. Is the most powerful thing there is. It's much more powerful than laws and rules, and and that's that's what I see in the Bible uh, at its best. Is um, it is it is a collection of stories that centers around um, ultimately the most important story, which is the story of Jesus.
0: I so uh, some other podcast that I listened to. I think they said something like thirty-five percent of everything Jesus says is in the form of a story.
1: Yeah. That, and that's something that's very challenging for me is, you know, I, I actually, I like, I like propositional statements and, and, you know, sort of statements of fact, but I'm I'm challenged by Jesus uh, to tell more stories and to think more in terms of stories because it's simply a more powerful way of communicating.
0: Well, and it's certainly interesting, like we were saying about uh, how you can reread the Bible and get something different. Um, there's a lot of those stories where you read it once and you get one thing, and then you read it again and you go, oh hey, wait a second, and this other thing. And sometimes you're like, wait, there's like there's like three or four layers of interpretation you can mm. put on this.
1: Yeah. There's always a, there's always a danger, of course, in all our in all our read, reads and rereads that we can we can sort of dodge the central point. Um, but but I but I do think it is something amazing about scripture is the way that we can keep coming back and there's always more.
0: Well. I think that, uh, that probably wraps that up for today. Um, so next time we're going to be talking about, well, okay. So next time the the chapter heading is, are the scriptures essential to salvation? And, uh, if you know what Betteridge's Law of Headlines is, go ahead and insert that here. Um, we will see you next time. And, uh, in the meanwhile, feel free to comment on, uh, on the website on Facebook, Twitter, etc., cetera, um, or to leave us a review on iTunes, which, hey, we got one Ooh, of those now. Yeah. Cool. It's got five stars. We got five stars. So thank you to Doug Death for that review.
1: Yeah. So if, if you're still listening to this, you're obviously a very dedicated listener, go ahead and give us five stars on iTunes so then more people will listen. It'll be great. <laughs> All
0: right. See you next time. You can find us on the web at QuakerPodcast.org, on Twitter as QuakerFaith, on Facebook, and on iTunes.